0: You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Good morning, Radiant Church. It is good to see all of you here once again. If you're new with us, my name is Marco and I am the lead pastor Thank you so much for making Radiant a part of your weekend. And if you are new, listen, we are actually in the middle of a three-week message series entitled Seek. These are 21 days of praying and fasting where we pursue the Lord. And here's why we do this every single January. We know that the holidays are, like, extremely busy, and we are distracted by many things, right? And so seek is an opportunity for us to just breathe, right? Breathe in, breathe out, reevaluate our schedules, and once again, begin to prioritize the things of God in our life. Seek is all about or is truly about offering God. It's our effort to offer God the very first part of our year. And so we hope that you are doing that as well. And as Victoria said, hey, we still have Seek Guides left. Those were developed by me and our leadership here. We actually wrote those. And so if you want to pick one of those up, you can at the merch store or you can go, again, online, radiantbc.com. Download that for free. It helps as a guide for 21 days. Now, as we go through this series, there, is, um, there are a few things that I'm praying for. I would love for you to pray for as well. But I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me three things specifically to pray for during these 21 days and here's what they are that the loss would be found that discipleship would begin at home not the church but at home and that the slumbering church at large would be awakened let me just explain that briefly for you i want the lost to be found so those who don't know jesus to come into a relationship into a life surrendered to christ inside the church outside the church I'm praying for that. I am praying that discipleship would begin at home with parents actually taking the responsibility to disciple their own children. And not only that, that parents would begin to open up their lives to God on a daily basis through prayer and through Bible reading, maybe through a Bible reading plan, and then through just continual dedication of themselves onto the Lord. And of course... Uh, My final prayer is that the slumbering church would be awakened. So many in uh, the American church specifically are simply kind of going through the motions, just checking the box, but living life like the world, living like normal, so to speak. And I don't want a church that just goes through the motion. I want a church awakened to the things of God, awakened to the purposes of God, a church that are really coming to grips with the times that we're living in um, and really just Kind of this Maranatha cry, if you know what I mean. Come on, Lord Jesus. A church that recognizes, listen, the days of Jesus' approaching, his, his return, it's, it's imminent, it's coming, it's, it's sooner than we ever uh, have ever imagined or known, and we should be living in light of that reality. And so, listen, along with your uh, personal prayer requests, I would ask you, would you pray for those three things as well? Man, that would be amazing. Just take 60 seconds a day and just pray for those three things as well. And what a difference it would make if the church would pray, you guys, if the church would pray. Well, today, uh, I want to talk about someone in the Bible who is probably the most overlooked character in the New Testament. And my title, I've entitled this message, stirring up a hunger for God, stirring up a hunger for God. And I want to talk about someone who is so overlooked that most of us probably don't even know his name. His name is Simeon, actually, and we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 2 in a few moments. But Simeon uh, teaches us a vital lesson. It's a lesson about being men and women of passion in a time of mediocrity. This is about being men and women of passion during a time of mediocrity. You see, we live during, we live in a time of mediocrity right now. And I know we don't know much about Simeon. We don't know much about you know his hobbies, his passions, his home life, whether he had a wife, whether he you know had kids or whatever. But we do know one thing for sure. We know this: that God knew Simeon. And can I just tell you? That's all that matters. Come on, church. God knew Simeon, and that's all that mattered. So let me just say this from the get-go this morning. Being known by God is far more important than being known by the world. Being known by God, listen, is far more important than being known by the world. And I mentioned this last week. Remember, we talked about this this increasing pressure for, for all of us in the room, no matter where you're at in life. Listen. To live our lives out in the open and through social media, right? Through posts and Instagram reels and stories and TikTok, right? To be known by everyone, to receive the applause of man, to get so many followers and likes and to grow influence and all that jazz, right? And I'm not saying that you can't use social media. You can use social media. I use it. I get that. But here's what I want to remind you of this morning. The world, listen, thinks that we do our best work in public, but God thinks we do our best work in private. The world celebrates, they they applaud us when we have public accomplishments, but God celebrates what? Private devotion, private devotion. So I wanna remind you this morning that, listen, being known by God is so much more important than all the likes, than the hearts, than the subscribers, all that jazz. Listen, it's so much more important than being known by the world. And the thing is, is that when we confuse those two things, When we confuse those two things and we start living for our own glory, what happens is that we begin to live out of alignment with the will of God. And can I just tell you, like, the wheels fall off, man. Like, the the wheels fall off this thing. And let me just point out, like, Hollywood, like, actors and actresses and famous musicians. and, And you know what? God bless them. But there are so many of them who, Have are addicted to pills and who have committed suicide and die at early ages. Why? Because they're living for their own glory, living for their own lives, and they've confused those two things, and they're not living for someone outside of who they are, their own creator. And so when we, listen, when we confuse those things, you guys, it just, the wheels fall off. It just gets ugly in our lives, and things go into chaos. And so this morning, if you have a Bible, we're gonna be in Luke chapter 2. And we're gonna read several verses beginning in, let me check, verse number 25. And remember, we're focusing in on this guy named Simeon. Who is he? What's special about him? Why are we even talking about him today? So if you have a Bible, go there. If not, verses will be behind me. Follow along because the word of God is powerful. We believe it's true. Everything it says is true. It is truth, okay? Here we go. Verse number 25, it says this, Luke is writing, Dr. Luke, he was a physician by the way, and he says this, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. So we're learning a little bit about his character. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Let me explain that real quick because you're reading that and you're like, what does that mean? The consolation of Israel. In other words, Simeon was someone who was waiting for God to come and rescue and comfort his people. He was waiting for that day. He was waiting for Messiah. This was prophesied in the Old Testament. If you're kind of new to your Bible and you're like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? So Simeon was this Jewish man. He was awaiting for the consolation of Israel when there would come a Messiah who would rescue, comfort the people of Israel, comfort the Jewish people. And then notice what Luke writes about him. He says this. So he waited for the constellation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. All right, time out real quick. We're gonna have a theology lesson for just a second. The Holy Spirit was on him. Who is the Holy Spirit? That's a great question. Well, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We have God the Father, we have God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right? We do not worship three gods. This is really important. The Jews also recognize this. This is a monotheistic faith monotheistic faith. This is not multiple gods. We don't worship trees, right? We don't worship plants. We worship one God. Deuteronomy 6 says this, hear, O Israel. It's called the Shema, the prayer. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. The Lord your God is one. And yet he exists in three uh, eternal persons, each distinctly divine in their properties, each God, it's a mystery to try to really grasp this. It is a mystery. Now, what Jesus says in John 14 about the Holy Spirit is he's saying, I will leave you, but my Father will send you, that's all of you, me included, the Holy Spirit. In John 14, you can read this yourself. He says the Holy Spirit will be with you and in you. It's the very life of God. It's what regenerates your spirit. God gives you. He imparts new spiritual life into you, by by thereby awakening your spiritual man. You recognize who God is. Your your eyes of faith are awakened. The Holy Spirit resides in you. You can be a churchgoer and not have the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you knew that, right? You can go to church and not be born again. This is what the scripture talks about, be born by the Spirit. And so... Well, here's what we know about the Holy Spirit. We know the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost. This is in the book of Acts. You might remember that story, right? It was like tongues of fire, and they received the Holy Spirit. Jesus in John chapter 20, also, what does he do? He looks at his disciples, and he breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. But before that, before the New Testament, what's going on with the Holy Spirit? What is he doing? He's just like chilling out in heaven. What's going on here, right? Well, listen, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would only come upon people, certain people like priests, prophets, and kings, during certain times in certain places, times where they needed, like, the extra boost in their leadership, times where they needed, literally, the hand of God would come upon them, right, for those moments. But in the New Testament, the people of God, when we proclaim and declare faith in Christ, God gives us the Holy Spirit. He comes and lives in on the inside of us. Now, here is Simeon. This is really, really fascinating. Simeon, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit is with him. He's on him. This is fascinating. This is before Jesus, like, breathing on the disciples, before Pentecost. Here is the Holy Spirit. has come to sort of rest on Simeon in this moment. I don't know if it was, like, permanently. I don't think it was anyways. But it's it, certainly for this moment, which is like, poosh, right, when I read this. I'm like, whoa, what? In fact, I've never really noticed this, to be honest with you. So he has the Holy Spirit. It was on him. Now, here's verse 26. Church, it says this. It had been revealed to him by who? The Holy Spirit. So the same Holy Spirit that was on him is now revealing things to him. Let me say this to you. When the Spirit of God resides with you and in you, listen, he will reveal things to you. Someone say amen. He will show you things. He will give you wisdom beyond your years, right? He will enlighten you. He will, he will draw you near. He will make much of his Son of the Son, Jesus Christ, of course. He will draw you to the things of God. He will give you wisdom, all these things. He will guide you and counsel you. Jesus says, "'m going to the Father will give you another advocate or counselor or helper." Pericle is the Greek word there. It actually has several sort of um, dimensions in that meaning, but it's fascinating. The Holy Spirit reveals Something to Simeon. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So, in other words, uh, Simeon is—he's is, he, been—it's been told to him. He's not going to die until he sees Messiah. Remember, the Jewish people—they had expected Messiah to come, this Jewish Savior. Uh, but the idea is they were looking for someone actually kind of different. I'll explain that in a little while. Okay. So this is crazy. Verse twenty-seven. Moved by who, the church? The spirit. This is amazing. This is like pneumatology 101 here. Moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. This is Simeon. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required. So they were, they were good Jews, and they were doing what the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. So here's Simeon. He's holding like baby Jesus in his hand, in his arms. This is crazy. Most of you are like, I've never read this. What? Or at least this is what I was doing this week. I was like, wow, wow. This is crazy. Wow. Right? I hope you're doing that in your head. You're just not expressing it, but I hope you're doing it. It's all right here for you guys. I get it. I get it. Okay? Moved by the Spirit. He went into the temple. Course. Okay. took him in, in his arms. Praise God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, I'm ready to come home now because I've seen the Savior. Okay. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. This is so cool. Such a cool slaver of this man known as Simeon. And we're gonna examine his life just a bit today. What makes him different? Why are we even talking about him? Remember, we're talking about stirring up a hunger for God. Stirring up a hunger for God. Let's pray for just a few moments, and then we're going to go ahead and dive into my message. Let's pray. Church, Father in heaven, we love you, and we just thank you so much for your presence here. We thank you how you're already moving in the hearts of people, Lord. You're already drawing them to you, Lord. You're, you're setting captives free this morning, Lord. I, I just sense that you're setting someone free this morning of addiction, of, of uh, some sort of abusive relationship, perhaps. God, you're doing a work. God, you're drawing husbands to you and wives to you. You're reconciling marriages because your heart is for the nuclear family, a mother and a father in the household. Lord, that's your heart. That's what you have designed in creation, God. And so you're doing a work in families this morning. You're drawing children to you. Uh, Holy Spirit, we pray that your power would just come and just breathe in this place. Just fall afresh, Holy Spirit. Fall afresh that we might see you anew, that we might come alive in faith. God, I'm praying for church people to be saved today. There might be a few church people here. They just go to church here and there, but I want them to be saved, God. I want them to know you. So unlock deaf ears, open blind eyes, soften hardened hearts, Lord, and just do a miraculous word. God, as we open up your word, we pray that it might just, um, uh, as the psalmist says, uh, show me beautiful things, wonderful things. So, God, would you do that? Show us wonderful things as we gather. Come and heal hearts, Lord. Lord, we're just um, we're grateful. We're just grateful. God. We're waiting upon you, Spirit of God. Move in this place, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. amen. Let me ask you a question as we begin this morning Have you ever forgotten a birthday? Have you ever forgotten, like, a special event in someone's life? Maybe it was a birthday party or graduation, or maybe it was, like, someone's anniversary. And, and you received the invite. You know, you got the invite in the mail. And, and maybe, maybe maybe not, you RSVP'd, because I'm terrible at RSVPing. Anybody with me? Man, that's so tough. Anyways, listen, you RSVP'd, you put it in Google Calendar, like, you made plans. And then for whatever reason, listen, the day came and went, and you just completely forgot. Like, you completely forgot, and the the day came and went, and and you're you're just kind of living life, doing your normal thing, and the next day, listen, you only come to realize this because somebody texts you and says, hey, where were you? And you're like, what? And you're like, oh, my goodness. And then what do you do? you blame your spouse. Come on, you do that, right? You're like, why didn't you tell me? Well, am I in charge of your calendar? What do you think I am? Well, yeah, you were in charge of my... Didn't you see the RSVP? Well, right, and you didn't do an argument because you're like, you both forgot about it, right? But you were just so busy, and you did not have sort of any intentional ill will towards that person. That's not why you missed the birthday party or the anniversary or the, or the cookout or whatever it was, right? You just were, like, busy. Like, life gets busy, and you were distracted, and you were, you were making preparations in the home for your own thing, whatever. Listen, this happens to all of us at some point. We just forget because, listen, our minds are focused in a completely different direction. I think we've all been here at one time or another, and can I just tell you that this is kind of the way it was when Jesus first came, his first arrival, Did you know this? Did you know that the Son of God almost came into our world completely unnoticed? Completely unnoticed. Uh, People actually were looking in the wrong direction. A few people were let in on the secret, Simeon being one of them, of course, right? But so many others were distracted. A few people were allowed to, to actually behold the miracle in their midst while the rest of the world just kind of kept going, you know, like just kept doing their thing back and forth, going to work and just, again, looking in a completely different direction. Simeon, listen, is a different type of man. The text tells us that Simeon was waiting on the consolation of Israel. Remember, um, he was waiting for the Jewish people to be rescued to be comforted by who? By, by Messiah. And here's the thing that we know about history. We know that during this time, the Jewish people were under this the heavy thumb, the, the, the oppression of the Roman Empire. And so many of the Jews were waiting for Messiah, and they were actually expecting um, this rescuing, sort of warring, king and they wanted this guy to come with a sword with an army tank with a with an uzi and just wipe out israel's enemies and then restore them and bring the jewish people back into a place of comfort back into a place of ruling and so they were actually looking so really for the wrong type of messiah okay the wrong type of messiah but simeon was somebody who was waiting for this messiah he was actually what looking for him he was Live with an awareness that Messiah could be coming any time soon. I think it's interesting when we look at the religious rulers of that day, the priests who were dedicating Jesus, they didn't even notice Jesus. They didn't even notice that he was the Messiah. What about the Pharisees? Well, the Pharisees didn't notice Jesus as as they were in their quest for holiness. The Sadducees? The Sadducees didn't notice Jesus in their navigation of Roman power. And the Essenes, they didn't notice Jesus as well as they were protesting against compromise. Who notices Jesus? It's Simeon. It's just like this everyday, normal, godly dude. Just an everyday Joe. He's the one, like, who notices Messiah. He gets in on this, right? So this begs the question, like, what makes Simeon different? What makes him so special? And why is it that God shows Simeon something, but everybody else is missing it? Like it begs the question. And so here's what I think the answer is. I think the answer is this. It was Simeon's hunger. His hunger for God. Let me just be specific. His hunger. Simeon's heart, remember, was set on the consolation of God's people. It was set on, I'm waiting for Messiah. I'm looking for Where God is at work in my life. I'm waiting for God to do these things. While other men, listen, were concerned with the normal pursuits of life. Simeon's heart longed for more, right? Everybody else was doing their thing, and Simeon's heart wanted more. He wanted Israel to be redeemed and to be restored. And Simeon's heart was connected with the larger concerns, with God's larger concerns, not just his own concerns just his own purposes, right? How often do we just get so sort of engulfed in our own lives that we just forget about people who are around us, right? And we're guilty. We're all guilty of this. So we just get consumed with life. But Simeon was somebody who cares. A.W. Tozer wrote a book called God Tells the Man Who Cares. It's an invitation to walk deeply with God and escape the trivial nature of contemporary life. And can I just tell you, that invitation is extended to all of us today. It's extended to me as well. Okay. Here we are, right? It's January. It's like resolutions. I don't know. Does anyone even do those anymore? Maybe nobody does it anymore. I don't know. January. Nevertheless, it's January 2023, and what do we do? We tend to turn and reflect. We look inward, and we look at the things that are behind us and you know, everything that happened in 2022. So we look at our losses, our wins, our victories, our joys, um, the things that went well, the things that did not go well. We look at our sorrows, our fears. We even turn to like, we look at our regrets. Like, oh, I regret doing that. That wasn't very smart, right? So we kind of, we begin, it's like a season of reflection for some of us. And we start to turn our eyes to the year ahead, what's in front of us, right? Goals, dreams, ambitions, and all the things that we're hoping to kind of you know, see happen this year with our family, maybe with our businesses, whatever, whatever is is, is in front of us. And these are all fine and they can all be good things, but I just want to say this. Let me say it like this: that the business of life can often trap us into processing our lives without reference to divine priorities. Right? The business of life can often trap us listen into processing our lives without reference to divine priorities. In other words, what do we do? We just kind of, well, we live life as usual. We're busy. We're picking up kids from soccer. We're doing that. We're doing this, right? We're going to the gym, all those things, and we just kind of live not even concerned with God, not even concerned with the things of God, and this happens to pretty much all of us, right? Because you're busy. You got kids, and you got a house, and you got a business, you get a job, you go to school, you're taking credits at Delta, whatever you're trying to do, right, that side hustle you're working on, right, there's just stuff going on, and you're at home, what, it's 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night, what are you doing? You're getting a laptop out, and you're working, right, because this is what we do. We're just so used to, right, pursuing, making more money, all of those things. But can I just tell you, all of those things have a way of just choking out the life of God in our lives. Just choke out the life, like, just, you know, literally, just think of that, it's suffocating like the last breath, (laughs) right? Just choking out the life of God within us, right? And then we wonder why. Oh, marriages are terrible, and our families are terrible, and everything is falling apart, even though, like, why? (laughs) We haven't given any reference to God. People often ask, you know, when bad things happen, why would God do this? And I'm always like, well, I I, I get that, but when have you given God any of your life? I, I, I get that question, but when have you actually cared? I know that sounds a little harsh, hear me, It's kind of the reality, like, now you care about God? Now you care about him intervening in your life when you didn't give a... I'd be be careful what I say. You didn't care. (laughs) I forget this is recorded. You didn't care about him previously. We're all susceptible to this, okay? We're all susceptible to this. Jesus talks about this idea of... The cares of life choking out the things of God. He explains this in the parable of the sower. This is in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter four. I wanna look at just a a piece of that today. Um, Jesus is explaining the parable to his disciples, and I want you to notice what he says. He says this, then Jesus said to them, this is in verse number 13, excuse me. Don't you understand this parable? He's like, come on, you guys gotta get this. Come on, knuckleheads, wake up, right? Right? Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? He's like, if you can't get this, y'all, you can't get the other stuff. So wake up, okay? Wake up. The farmer sows the word. This is the word of God, by the way. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them, like immediately, right? Like Monday comes and gone. Satan comes in because he's your adversary, by the way. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, by the way, these places all represent what? The heart, right? Okay? The heart. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once, they receive it with joy. It's like, yes, okay, that's great. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. This is sad, right? This, when you pastor a church, it's very unique. You get to see people come and go. It's like, and some people, when they leave, you're just like, oh, so discouraging, right? And some people, they're just with you for, like, years. Or so. you know, like, and some people, like, oh, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking at times. They have no root, right? They fall away. They quickly fall away. Still, others, like, seeds sown among thorns. They hear the word, but... The worries of this life. Here it is. The worries of this life. How many of how many y'all worry about things? You guys worry at night something? Yeah. People are popping pills right now for anxiety. And I'm not making fun, okay? I'm just saying this is like the norm. Many of you are probably at night, right? Take that anxiety pill. It's the norm, right? We're living. This is like the norm of 2022, 2023. The worries of this life. The deceitfulness of wealth. Because wealth is deceitful because it promises things that only God can deliver on. That's why he says it's deceitful. And the desire for other things come in. And what do they do? Think, look at the, the word Jesus uses, choke. That's a very aggressive verb here. Choke the word, making it unfruitful. So you come and you listen, but then the worries of life, all these things come in and they just choke out God's word, right? Jesus explains this parable to the disciples, and he's really talking about truly that when the seed is sown, By the preacher by the evangelist by the friend at work the co-worker by the 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 guy you go to school with in high school or in college or whatever it is listen that it falls on different types of hearts some people receive it and their salvation it produces this harvest of righteousness they serve god their lives are completely changed and you're like yes that's amazing and i get to see that i get a front row with that that's so awesome it's so cool when you see like former crack addicts or whatever prostitutes giving their life to jesus Everything changes for them. It's like amazing, but Jesus says, "Fortunately, here's some other types of hearts where it doesn't quite go that way." I receive it, and Satan comes in. Ah oh, no! Ha, ha, no 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 no! Don't listen to that guy. Don't listen to that community group. no 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 no! no. You got other things to do, brother. Oh, you're busy. Come on. Oh, you're climbing the corporate. Some people come in, they hear the word, but there's no, there's no root, so they're very immature. And so when suffering comes, because God doesn't promise anyone an easy life, that's never promised in Scripture, Jesus said, in fact, you will have trouble. Take heart. I've overcome the world is what Jesus says. I think it's John 16, 33, I believe. But when trouble comes, what do we do? We blame God. Or we wave a fist at him. We fall away because we're just too embittered. Other people, Jesus says, listen, the worries of life, wealth, desire for stuff, right? I think that we can include in this idea of the worries of life. Let's include this, the distraction of social media, because we get distracted with that. The desire to buy more stuff, because that's, oh my gosh, that's all of us. Hello. The need to be noticed, right? Because We want to walk into the room. Some of us, when we were singing that song, when you walk into the room, we were like, that's me. When I walk into the room, everything's awesome, right? No, no, it's not about you. It's God. We're not singing about you. But you were like, I wish that was about me though, right? No, 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 right? It's not about you. It's about him, the King, Jesus. But we want to be noticed. um, We're concerned with relaxation and comfort. We're like consumed with that. And I get it. Um, we have a need and want for more earthly things. Again, that's all of us in the room. We're all included. And can I just tell you, these aren't necessarily bad things, but these become bad things when they become the thing. You see what I'm saying? There's a difference, church. These are not necessarily bad things, but they become bad things when they become the thing. Like that's, your heart is fixated that thing things are receiving your worship. That's what I mean, like in an everyday sort of fashion. Taking a family vacation is a good thing, so take a family vacation. Grow your business. Hallelujah. I praise God for our, our business owners here at Radiant Church who are they, they help to employ other people, which helps the economy. Praise God for that. We need that. Hello? Like, we need that, right? That can be a good thing. Providing for your family, like, that's a good thing. Like, figuring out how you're going to make the money you need to take care of your kids. We need that. Praise God. However, listen, when these things become central and we no longer prioritize the things of God, what happens is that these things are now choking out the life of God choking out our lives with God. And I get it, you're busy and I'm busy, we're all busy. This is the mantra of our day. How are you? Busy. When the pursuit of our lives, listen, become all about worldly things, right? Our lives are out of priority. And can I just tell you, we're we're all susceptible to this and herein lies the danger. Herein lies the danger. Simeon, he's different, isn't he? He's different. His eyes are focused on something different. So this Wednesday night, this past Wednesday, we had about 120 people here for a seat. It was incredible, right? And it was, yeah, praise God for that. Praise God. I love it. I mean, come on, every preacher loves a pack. Come on. Everybody. Hello. Um, I, I loved it. But, but can I just tell you, um, Wednesday night wasn't amazing because we had a great band. We had a fire band, okay? But it wasn't amazing because of that. Wednesday night wasn't just incredible because we had a full room. That's called critical mass, by the way. Critical mass is when, you know, there's like an energy in the room when every seat is pretty much filled. We had that. It wasn't amazing because of that. Let me tell you why Wednesday night was so incredible. Here was the difference Wednesday night was incredible because the people that came, came with a hunger for God. There was an anticipation and an expectation that I want to meet with God and he's going to move in and through me. So, when I looked around the room, I saw people worshiping and like crying in and like jumping up and down and uh, on their knees. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? It's like God's people actually want to meet with God. This is like, what's going on here. Nobody's laughing at that. Um, and I'm like, this is incredible. And it wasn't because the band, the production, all that stuff is just, right? We, it's, it's not that important, right? The idea is there was hunger in the room. People were hungry for the presence of God. That's what we, we came to meet with God. Let me meet with God. That's why it was so uh, incredible this evening where we gathered together. Because the idea is, listen, listen, you can fill a room, you can fill a room with people, but if you don't have people who are hungry for God, who are expecting God to work, who are anticipating a move of God, listen, they're just gonna put their hands in their pockets and like you'll completely miss the move of God. You can have a room full of people and the band is fire and the preachers fire and they're just like amazing and people can just stare at you because there's no hunger for God. There's no expectation for how he'll move. There's no anticipation, right, for how he'll move when we gather together. My theology says this, that when we gather together, God is uniquely present among us. He's just Old Testament, New Testament, you can read it yourself, that when the Jewish people would gather together there on Mount Sinai, when God would call them together, listen, that he was present among them uniquely in a very, very powerful and personal way. That's my theology, by the way. That's why gathering is important because God meets with us in a unique way. It's not like individually. Individually is great, and I'm for it. But listen, when you gather, there's something unique and powerful according to the Scripture. God is uniquely present among you. But if the people are not hungry for God, if the people live with no expectation for how he'll move, then God can come into a place and we can totally miss it. Surely the Lord was in this place and I had no idea. I did not even see it, right? The scripture says. And so I don't want us to be a people like this. I want us to be a people hunger for God. We can become so busy with frivolous things that we never prioritize the things of God. Matthew 5, 6, Jesus himself, he says, Blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Leave that verse up there. Blessed are those, read this again. This is really profound. It should say, shouldn't it say, Blessed are those who have a lot of money? Well, in some sense, maybe. Blessed are those who have a beautiful, Cover girl, model as a wife. Anderson It says, blessed are those who what? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness. Hey, I wanna just encourage you. If you've come this morning with a hunger in your heart for the things of God, God bless you. You will be filled. If you've come this morning with a thirst for the things of God, you're like, I gotta get here, I gotta, gotta, I gotta be here, I wanna meet with God, I'm expecting that he'll... Talk to me in a very unique and personal way. He talks corporately, but he also talks to individuals as well, which is beautiful and amazing, because he knows exactly where you're at in your life. If you've come with that expectation, can I just say, God bless you, God bless you. You will be filled. I wanna encourage you today. God bless you, you will be filled. Jesus says this, it's one of his I am statements in the Gospel of John. There are seven I am statements in John's Gospel. You can do a study of that on your own. But I want to read just one of them. John 6:35. then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. I am, ego eimi in the Greek. It's a throwback to the conversation with Moses in Exodus when God responds to Moses. Tell them the I am sent you. It's the eternal name for God. So when Jesus says, I am, he's dropping the name of God, claiming to be deity himself. And the Jews would all know this. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Never go hungry. Never be thirsty. Can I just tell you, church, the idea is this, that we're we're all longing to be filled. That's That's not the problem, can I just tell you that? That's actually not the problem. You wanna be filled. You wanna be satisfied. You wanna have purpose in your life. Hello? That's all of us. We all want that. We—that's To be human is to want those things. We want to be filled. The problem that we all face is that most of us, not most of us, but many of us perhaps are just looking to the wrong places to be filled. You see what I'm saying? We're looking in the wrong places to be filled. This is, I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning because maybe you're like, I have an appetite for something that's pretty unhealthy. I have an appetite for something that is actually destructive. Well, can I just tell you, you're trying to feed your true appetites for God with carnal things, and it will never, never be satisfied by the things of this world, right? So let me just kind of challenge you this morning. Rather than feeding on more junk food figuratively, listen, why not pursue the bread of life? Why not pursue the bread of life, now, some of you are here, and I know what you're thinking. You're like, okay, I kind of get what he's saying. Hunger for God, right, right, okay, right, but I don't have a hunger for God. Okay? And it's, hey, we might as well just admit it instead of trying to hide it and fake it. You're like, Pastor Marco, I don't have a hunger to read the, God, the word of God. I don't have a hunger to go to church. So what do I do now? Some of you, you're like, you, 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 you are Christ's followers. Or you think you are, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but there's no hunger on the inside of you. There's no hunger for the things of God. There's no hunger for his word. There's no hunger to gather together. Listen, that does concern me a great deal, I'll be honest with you, okay? But I want to just take a moment and I wanna describe the differences between physical hunger and spiritual hunger, right? Okay? This is really, really important for us, okay? So, physical hunger, let's start with that one because we all understand this, okay? Especially if you're fasting right now, you know what hunger looks like, okay? Amen. Woo! Anyhow, listen, so for me to be hungry, all it takes is for me to just wait, right? Just wait a few hours. Okay? For some, you're like, what? Well, a few minutes for me, Pastor? What are you talking about, Right? <laughs> If I just wait long enough, I'm going to get hungry. So if I go 12 hours, 15 hours, 18 hours, 20 hours without eating, guess what? I'm just going to be hungry. So then what do I do? I go and I eat a sandwich, and then I'm filled, and it feels good. Like, ah, finally, finally filled. It feels good, right? That's the way physical hunger works, okay? You eat, okay, and then you're filled, okay? But can I just tell you, it's different with spiritual hunger. It's different. It's actually backwards, okay? Here's the way spiritual hunger works. It works this way. In spiritual hunger, you eat first and you're filled later. Or you're, you're, you eat first and you're hungry later. Some of you're like, what the heck is he talking about? Let me explain, this. Let, me take, let, me, let me explain. There's a few of you, you're getting this. With spiritual hunger, what you don't wanna do is you don't just wanna wait for the feeling. There's a lot of Christians just waiting on the feeling hey, I'm just going to wait till I feel like reading the Word of God. Brother, you're going to be waiting for a while. Sister, you might be waiting for a while. Hey, I'm just going to wait until we feel like going to church. You might be waiting for, yeah, quite some time if I'm just honest with, with some of you. Hey, I'm just going to wait. No, no, no. Don't wait on your feelings because feelings is not your king. Jesus is your king. So I want to just reiterate that this morning. So here's what I want you to do. When it comes to the Word of God, listen. Here's how do I get hungry, Marco? Eat. Eat first, hunger later. If you don't get anything else, get this. Eat first, hunger later. So go to your Word of God, go to your Bible, open it up, listen. And for some of you, it may feel like it's obligatory. So what? So what? It's going to feel like a discipline. So what? When I go to the gym, you think I feel like it all the time? Heck no, I hate it. I just do it because I know it's good for my body. I'm getting older, trying to prevent that. You know what I'm saying, right? I'm trying to stay in shape. Forties <laughs> like, oh, are hitting me here. If we don't go by our feelings. We're doing it out of discipline. So open your Bible, begin to read. And at first you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I don't get this. I don't understand that, blah, blah, blah. And then you're, something happens. You're like, hey, what was this? Why would God say that right there? Wait, is he speaking to me right now? Wait, is there something he wants to tell me? And then you and then you start to dig in. And then what happens? Start to give you start to get hungry. Here's the way it works with spiritual hunger. You eat and then you get a little bit hungry. So then you eat some more and then you get a little bit more hungry and then you eat some more and then you get a bit more hungry and then you just keep waiting and waiting and waiting. If you're waiting on a feeling you'll be waiting for the rest of your life. If you're waiting on a feeling, Christians, believers, we do not wait on our feelings. Rather, we tell our feelings, we tell our hearts where to go. We're not led by our hearts. We instruct our hearts where to go by the word of God. We're not just doing what feels good in our heart. We're going with what God instructs our hearts to do. Right? So if you are lacking hunger, hey, just admit it. Just come out. You're like, just let somebody know. Like, I have no hunger for God. Okay, awesome. So what can you do? I want you to start eating. Start to get into something, right? The Word of God, right? Prayer, worship music, whatever you got to do, right? And watch as hunger continues to build build and build and build and build and build. And then you will begin to be filled with the bread of life. That's what I want for you this year, to be filled with the bread of life. So if you're here and you have no hunger and you admit that, can I tell you, you should pause and take some concern. You should you should. You should not treat it like it's normal. You should not just say, well, I'm just waiting on my feelings. Don't do that. That's the wrong approach to Christianity, to Biblical Christianity. Don't wait. Don't just say, I think this is the norm. It's not actually. It's actually not. So then figure it out and start Start feeding on something. Start eating something. Start gathering. Start studying. Begin Rain. And I know it's going to feel like a bit difficult at first. I know it's going to be like just like going against the grain. Hello, of course it's going to be that way. But then you're going to hit a moment. You're going to hit your stride. The Lord's going to begin to download on you. He's going to be, begin to speak to you, and if something's going to happen in your spirit, man. And you're going to have this hunger. You're going to say, "I was reading Job this morning. Oh my!" goodness. I never thought about suffering and even suffering in this way. I never thought about Job's character, what he went through. I never thought about God and how he presents himself to Job in the midst of this most terrible moment in life. Wow, I learned something new, but more than that, I received a revelation from God on Saturday. That's what I want for you. So why not make 2023 the year that you hunger and thirst for God, church? Why not process your dreams, I'm not saying you can't have dreams. Have dreams. Have the biggest dreams you can think of. I'm all for that. Okay, but why Why not process them, process them through a kingdom lens? Come on, someone, right? Why not ask him to stir up a passion for the consolation of his people in this time? In this time, right? In this time. Why not ask him? agenda, what the agenda of heaven is for this year, instead of just focusing on your own vision boards, your own purposes, your own plans, your own goals. Why not align your hearts with the things of God? Why not, listen, can I just tell you that aligning your heart with God's heart attracts the attention of heaven. It attracts the attention of heaven, and who knows, maybe you'll be just like Simeon, where God will show you something that no one else has seen. That God will begin to draw close to you, pull you close to Him, and begin to do something really unique and powerful in your own life, in your marriage, your family. God wants to, I think that's what God wants to do. God rewarded Simeon, and God wants to reward you. But will you pursue Him? Will you pursue Him? He rewards those who diligently seek Him. We know this from Hebrews. He speaks to those who care, right? He guides those set on doing his will. So my challenge for you, church, as we step into 2023 is simply this. Rise above frivolous masses, above the frivolous masses, and be a man, be a woman who cares. Be a man or a woman who cares. Be a man or a woman looking up with a maranatha cry that says, come, Lord Jesus. Your bride is waiting and you're looking out for the signs. You're, you're preparing your hearts for Christ to come on the clouds once again. The trumpet blast to sound for us to be taken up with him, for him to make all things new. Let our hearts be set on eternal things, not just on the things that we see. God tells a man who cares, God tells a woman who cares. Will you be that man or woman this year? This is the question. This is the challenge. Let me pray for you as we close our service. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the work that you're doing. My prayer, God, is that you would indeed stir up a hunger and a passion for your name in 2023, God. Stir it up in us, God. Stir it up in us, Lord. Bring us back to what you've called us to do. If we've run away from you in any way, God, show that to us and draw us near once again. God, would you reveal your plans and purposes to Radiant Church? Father, prepare our hearts for things to come. For 2023 will be a great year for the church, God, but we must be a people prepared with our hearts set on the things and the agenda of heaven, rather just our own agendas. We must be ready for what you want to do, so that we're able and ready to act in obedience. So Lord, stir up our hearts, God. Lord, if we lack hunger, Lord, would you uh, remind us that we need to start eating. Start eating right away and watch as hunger consumes us. Watch as we grow in our intensity as we pursue the things of God this year. Stir it up, God. Stir it up, I pray. Holy Spirit, would you just begin to speak to men and women today? Holy Spirit, draw them. Lord, I pray addictions broken off in Jesus' name. Alcohol broken off. Those things that are hindering us from following you. Broken off. Pride broken in Jesus' name. Depression broken in Jesus' name. We declare we're asking you, God, to set captives free. Those of us who are consumed with our own glory, God, set us free from ourselves, God. We need to be liberated from ourselves. We're not the answer. You're the answer, God. And we cannot both be the answer, the solution and the problem at the same time. We're the problem actually. So God, set us free from ourselves this year, Lord. Do a new work, God. And if someone doesn't know Jesus, I pray today that they would come up to me, come up to one of our prayer partners, say, I want to know Jesus today. So do a mighty work in this house, we pray. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Let's clap our hands for him this morning.